what is up and welcome back to beyond the arc with brandon silvers as always i am your host brandon silvers hope y'all had a good week we got a lot to get to today we're going to talk about highlight culture wnba super teams ed reed's rant all kind of stuff but first a couple of quick housekeeping notes before we get into it first if you watch me on youtube i hope you've been noticing the changes i've been making trying to step up my graphics game and whatnot going to keep messing around with it, trying to make it better for you. So I hope you're enjoying it and feel free to shoot me any feedback or suggestions you might have for me at beyondtheark843 at gmail.com. If you're listening to me, try watching me every now and then as well, just so you can help me out a little bit too. Also, I have gone international, not physically, of course, but I've started doing some freelance writing for the franchise tag, a UK based media company that covers football or American football, as they call it. You can check all that out at the franchise tag.co.uk. They have all their platforms listed there as well. So go ahead and give them a follow wherever it is that you follow people. All right, that should do it for that. So let's go ahead and get into it. Okay, so I've been very college football heavy recently and for good reason. I mean, it was bowl season. It was also the holidays and there's only so much attention you can give sports in general with all that going on. But after last week's episode, I was starting to feel a little bit guilty. I mean, as the number one sports content creator in the history of the world, it's my responsibility to make sure you're both informed and entertained. And you certainly were when it came to college football, but there's a whole entire sports world out there. So I set out to make this week's episode solely about catching you up on everything we missed. But when I sat down and started researching all these topics, what I realized is that everything going on right now is merely an update to something I've already covered before. So in case you weren't sure, I truly am the greatest and time is a flat circle. These are some pretty wild updates though, so let's start off in the basketball world. I mentioned Minnesota Timberwolves guard Austin Rivers in the Nepo Baby episode. He's the son of 76ers coach Doc Rivers, also related to Seth Curry, Steph's brother, who's married to Austin's sister. And as we all know, it is now legally obligated for NBA bench players to have their own podcast. And Austin has his own called Off Guard with Austin Rivers on the Ringer Network. And he recently shared some thoughts on there about his concerns about where basketball is headed and the role that highlight culture has played in that. He said, quote, when I played in high school, you only got a mixtape if you were like a top tier guy. Back then you had to put in work, consistent work. You had to build a name for yourself to get a mixtape, and it was an honor to have a Ball is Life mixtape. It was an honor to have a Hoop mixtape. We didn't play to have one, though. I didn't go into a game doing something to be on Hoop mixtape. I went into the game to win and just be myself, and Hoop mixtape and them were there following me. I didn't ask Hoop mixtape to come follow me. I didn't pay Hoop mixtape a dollar. I didn't pay Ball is Life a dollar. They just followed me because I was that guy. They followed Bradley Beal because he was that guy. That's how it was. The landscape has changed now. Parents are paying these people to come to games. Everyone gets a mixtape. Everyone looks at the camera now and taps on their head when they dunk on someone. It's all highlight after highlight after highlight, and now only kids watch highlights. They don't watch the actual basketball game, the purity of the game. Making a hockey pass, which means making the right pass even though you're not going to get an assist. You're driving to make a play so someone else can make a play to get an assist. Diving on the floor, talking on defense, playing defense at all shooting good shots, making the game easy, being efficient with the basketball, scoring off one or two dribbles rather than 15 dribbles. Highlight culture has absolutely killed the game of basketball. Now my gut reaction when I first heard his comments was that Austin Rivers is a hypocrite. Not only did he have the benefit of coming up as Doc Rivers' son right when Steph Curry changed the basketball Nepo baby game, but he's also one of the first players I can remember 
who had a popular high school mixtape that made him look like a basketball god, only to have him not live up to the hype. Don't get me wrong, Austin was good. He was the 2011 Naismith Prep Player of the Year his senior year of high school, and that doesn't happen purely off mixtapes, but I do think it played a role. I mean, it's called a highlight tape for a reason. They're not showing your missed shots or whatever, and Austin, when he was at his best in high school, looked like a smaller Kobe Bryant. If your job is to rank high school players and you keep hearing about Doc Rivers' kid and every tape you see of him makes him look like young Kobe, you're going to bump him up in the rankings a little bit. I mean, it's human nature. He started as a freshman at Duke for my good friend Coach K, and for all the issues that I have with Coach K, I don't think he was out here recruiting based on highlight mixtapes that he saw on Instagram. But this is where you could start to see that real-life Austin wasn't actually Kobe. He was a streaky shooter, he wasn't much of a passer, and he was an awful free-throw shooter, particularly for a guard. But he did provide highlights when he was at Duke too, such as his game-winning three against rival North Carolina, and he played well enough to win ACC Rookie of the Year, but this was a guy who was supposed to come in and compete for the National Player of the Year. That Duke team failed to meet expectations as a whole, as they were upset in the first round of the tournament that year by Lehigh, who was led by CJ McCollum. Rivers entered the draft after that where he was picked 10th by New Orleans, but he was so bad at one point early in his career that he was on the cusp of being cut and out of the league altogether until his dad traded for him, which is bullshit. But to Austin's credit, he did develop into a solid combo guard off the bench, but that's a far cry from where his mixtapes had us thinking he would be. So he's got some nerve criticizing highlight culture when his own mixtape had us all bamboozled. Except he's right. Austin's mixtape, like most mixtapes from that era, featured him doing basketball shit. Shooting, crossing someone up, dunking. That was the focus of it. Whoever made the tape would clip together the highlights of him doing this stuff and throw whatever Drake song was hot at the time on top of it, and that was it. It was organic. It came from the flow of the game. Today, it really does feel like the kids are playing for the sole purpose of creating a highlight. The game has become secondary. And like right after this clip of Austin dropped, a highlight tape of these eight-year-olds playing basketball blew up on Twitter, and it may have been one of the worst things I've ever seen. They're flexing at the camera and taunting their opponents and everything after every single play. I know this makes me sound a million years old. I promise I do like fun. I mean, I used to talk trash and raise the roof when I was their age too, but I did it for the sole purpose of being a cocky little asshole. I wasn't out there preening for a camera and trying to go viral. And most importantly, I had adults who had enough sense to be like, okay, let's rein it in a little bit here. They certainly weren't going to edit together a video of me being a cocky little asshole and then share it with everybody. You can't blame these kids because first of all, they're just kids. And also they're just copying what they see on TV. Do you know how many times I've had to watch Pat Beverly or Russell Westbrook rock the baby or hit someone with the too small gesture when the Lakers are down by 20 with four minutes left? And then there's TikTok where you can become famous for ruining pickup basketball games with this highlight tape bullshit. I swear every third video is some loser doing commentary on his LA Fitness highlights. The appropriately named House of Highlights has actually started a creator league featuring the most shameless of these people. Tune in to see whatever happened to Julian Newman. Julian's dad, who is LeVar Ball, if none of LeVar's sons grew or had any talent, was putting out mixtapes of Julian when he was just 10. Turns out, much to the dismay of the kids I was talking about before, that you can look good in elementary school mixtapes and still end up being a bad basketball player. It's not all bad though, I guess, as Julian's dad was able to sell t-shirts, produce an internet reality show, and start a prep school as a result of Julian's mixtapes. Congrats. 
Julian has inspired others to follow in his footsteps, like fellow Creator League player Geo Wise, who plays like Julian if Julian wasn't good enough to play high school basketball. Never in my life did I think you could make money playing basketball by spam dribbling for 30 seconds before heaving up a brick from half court, but Geo has proven me wrong. You can't watch basketball without seeing this shit, and just because Austin Rivers benefited from highlight culture doesn't mean he can't criticize it. Hell, it probably makes him more qualified to do so. Keeping things in the world of basketball, John Quell Jones was traded from the Connecticut Sun to the New York Liberty. I talked about John Quell this summer when discussing the marketing struggles of the WNBA. John Quell was the subject of a great piece by ESPN's Katie Barnes that highlighted Jones's desire to be seen as a WNBA superstar off the court, particularly since she's already won on the court after being named the 2021 MVP, but she hasn't seen it pay off in endorsements. And obviously, endorsement money is crucial for WNBA players who are trying to supplement their income. In that article, Jones gives her take on why she thinks her off-the-court recognition, outside of a State Farm commercial with my arch nemesis Trey Young, doesn't match up with her on-court success, and there are a lot of reasons, but the main reason in her opinion is that she's black, a lesbian, and more masculine than the players that brands prefer to work with. And obviously, these are things that she can't change, nor should she have to. But what can she change? where she plays. And markets don't get any bigger than New York City. It's certainly bigger than Uncasville, Connecticut. So she requested a trade specifically to play for the Liberty. Not only will she be playing in this huge market, but she'll be playing alongside one of the faces of the league, Sabrina Ionescu. The league started pushing Sabrina heavily as soon as she was drafted. She had name recognition because of her incredible career at the University of Oregon, where Phil Knight and the Nike machine run the show, and her proximity to Kobe Bryant and his family. She famously became the first NCAA player to record 2,000 points, 1,000 rebounds, and 1,000 assists in a career, and accomplished that on the same day that she spoke at the memorial service for Kobe and his daughter Gigi. She's also white, conventionally attractive, and heterosexual, basically a perfect recipe of marketing factors. And Sabrina hasn't always been well-received by her peers because of that. Other players have thrown shade at how the league featured her heavily even before she really figured things out on the court. She had a great season last year, though, and having a teammate like John Quell is only going to make her life easier on the court. And playing next to Sabrina in New York City is only going to make John Quell's life easier off it. And even more help, both on the court and marketing-wise, might be on the way to the Liberty as another superstar, Brianna Stewart, is rumored to be signing with them. Brianna could very well be the best player in the league, although I take Asia Wilson, go Cox, but her off-the-court presence might be even more impactful as she has the first publicly available signature shoe for a WNBA player in more than a decade. She posted a cryptic tweet that everyone assumed was related to her free agency plans. I've spent too long trying to decipher what the hell it could mean, but have had zero luck. For those of you listening at home, it was all emojis. We've got a trophy, a baby bottle, a plane, a house, a bag of money, a basketball, and a wave from the ocean. Then we have an equal sign, followed by a big cat that I believe is a leopard, a crocodile or an alligator, a crane, the machinery kind, a plug, what the internet says is a Scorpio sign, paw prints, and a newspaper. 
What is she trying to tell us? Brianna leaving the Storm would be devastating for Seattle, not just because she's a great player, but also because they just lost Sue Bird to retirement, and that's a basketball city that's still upset about losing the Supersonics on the men's side. The Liberty would make sense for Brianna because of the big market stuff we talked about with John Quell, but also because she's from New York State. Now, her hometown of Syracuse has roughly zero in common with New York City, where the Liberty play. But hey, it's a much closer drive to see the wineries and blizzards and Jim Beheim knuckle deep in his nose on the sideline than Seattle is. I'm also curious to see what these three forming a super team would do for both their marketability and the marketability of the league as a whole. Fans, particularly young fans, love super teams. Think of all the 90s kids who love the Cowboys, Bulls, Lakers, Yankees, and Duke. Clearly, none of those teams have anything in common geographically, and some, like the Cowboys and Bulls, haven't won anything since the 90s, but people love them simply because they were dominant when they were growing up. It'd be cool to see if that were the case in the WNBA too. Please believe I will run you off the road if I see you have stickers for all those teams on the back of your car. Just kidding. Kinda. But the WNBA season doesn't start back up until May, so we're just gonna have to wait and see how all this plays out. That just means more time to try and decipher Brianna's tweet and watch the number one South Carolina Gamecocks women's basketball team. Now, I know I said we've been doing too much college football stuff, but I have to talk about this story, and it's mostly about off-the-field stuff. We talked about Deion Sanders' decision to go to Colorado and what that meant for HBCUs. Dion just flipped the number one cornerback in the nation, Cormani McLean, from Miami to Colorado, by the way. And one thing we've seen is HBCUs looking to hire other big-name former NFL players to coach, regardless of whether or not they have coaching experience. Bethune-Cookman, an HBCU in Daytona Beach, Florida, hired former NFL Hall of Fame safety Ed Reed to be their head coach, or they reached an agreement with him to be their head coach. That distinction will be important in a second. Ed's only other coaching experience was as an assistant defensive back coach with the Bills in 2016, but he's largely considered to be one of the smartest players to ever play the game. There's a great video of Bill Belichick who never shows any emotion outside of apathy, gleefully describing a play in which Ed tricks Peyton Manning, who by all accounts is a football savant, into throwing an interception. If you can trick Peyton Manning and his giant forehead, you know football. So Bethune-Cookman agrees to hire him after going 2-9 last season, and rarely do coaches get attention in the offseason before coaching a single game. I mean, Dion is at Colorado, obviously, but that's an outlier. But I had no reason to believe that Ed Reed would, because while he's up there with Dion in terms of football greatness, their personalities aren't very similar. Well, he shocked the hell out of me by hopping on IG Live and just ripping the experience that he's had at Bethune-Cookman so far. He was talking about how Dion wasn't wrong about the concerns he was raising about HBCUs, how HBCUs need help because they're being run by people with broken mentalities, how he's been there a week and a half and he's already done more than people who have been there for years and all kind of stuff. And I made the distinction a second ago about how he wasn't hired yet, but they had reached an agreement for him to be hired and that's because he hasn't signed a contract yet because they haven't agreed on terms. That seems to be upsetting to him. And he was also pissed about how they gave him a key to his office but they didn't clean it out, and he was talking about how bad the facilities were as well. First of all, if I'm Bethune-Cookman, I'm probably waiting on him to sign the contract before cleaning out the office. That could just be me, though. And the facilities could be in bad shape because of the administration, but they could also be in bad shape because they just had not one but two hurricanes come through there a couple months ago. But also, what good could come from this rant? Are you hoping to bring in recruits with this? Hey, the people who run this place have broken mentalities and also the facilities are shit, but come on down. I don't understand the point of it outside of just venting. 
and it also shows a lack of understanding of the cause of the issues related to HBCUs. Another football legend, Eddie George, coaches at Tennessee State, and when asked about Reed's rant on the Rise and Grind podcast, he said, quote, And you know, it's frustrating. You know, he didn't understand exactly what he was getting himself into. And when you get under the hood and you really see what's going on, and you do see the mold in the apartments, you see the mold in the dorm rooms, you see the facilities, the locker room is not the best. It's not clean. It's all those things. But guess what? That's why you're there, and I choose to do it through action. You know, I choose to do it through, you know, hey, let me roll up my sleeves and get in front of these people, corporations, the school president, you know, the politicians, and say basically, what are we doing here? And that's what he's done. He's fought to get the state to pay the school the land grant funding that it withheld from them. HBCUs are woefully underfunded compared to PWIs, and land grant HBCUs are even more so. And the state of Tennessee owes the school nearly half a billion with a B dollars based on some estimates. Can you imagine what that kind of money would do for this school? Eddie has not only identified the root of the issue, but he's also set out to attack the problem right there at the root. The poor facilities, the administration, all these other things are merely symptoms of the larger problem, a problem that cannot be fixed through football or on Instagram rants alone. And if I'm a student athlete or a parent of one at my age, I guess, I'm way more likely to choose the school with the coach who is aware of this and has a plan to fix it than the one who was caught off guard by it and threw a tantrum. Now, for his part, Reed did issue an apology for his rant. Psst. Hey, over here. Yeah, it's me. So quick update to this. After recording, but before posting, it came out that Bethune-Cookman decided not to proceed with the hiring of Ed Reed. Doesn't change anything that I said in this segment. Hopefully Ed gets another opportunity soon. So uh, yeah, let's get back to me. And I'm pulling for him to succeed. I don't think he said or did anything that requires throwing him away. And I would argue that the same passion that fueled that rant can actually be an asset for him if he uses it to learn more about the causes of these issues that sparked the rant in the first place, and he sets out to fix it the same way that Eddie George is doing at Tennessee State. And speaking of fixing issues, my sinuses are killing me. I'm going to go have some off-brand Mucinex. That's going to do it for this week's episode. Again, thank you for joining me and sharing my shit. You are greatly appreciated. And don't forget to check out my football stuff over at Franchise Tag UK. Y'all be safe, guard your sinuses, and I'll catch you next week.